In today's message, Pastor McGray de Vega will be talking about the amazing passage from John 10, where Jesus proclaims that he is the Good Shepherd. Why the Good Shepherd? Well, I think I could give you an answer based more on the perspective of the sheep. We have more in common with sheep than we think we do. Sheep are prone to lack common sense. They're stubborn. They tend to drift when looking for things. They graze in pastures only to find themselves wandering away from the safety of their community and home. They tend to focus on what's in front of them and become oblivious to their surroundings. They stumble, they trip, they easily lose themselves even in the midst of one another. Respectfully, but to be honest, they are kind of dumb. If this all sounds familiar, that's because it is. That's why sheep need a shepherd. And that's why we need a shepherd, a guard and guide who will keep us together, protect us and give us the restoration when we begin to drift or just nibble ourselves away from the flock. How can we be more aware and present in knowing of who our shepherd is? Let's listen as Pastor McGray de Vega unpacks today's statement. I am the good shepherd. Let's pray together. God, open our eyes to empathy, curiosity, and humility, that we might be generous and compassionate toward others and ourselves. Amen. Shepherds are among the Bible's favorite people. You can go down the list, beginning with Genesis, and read about some of the most famous ones. There is Abel, the first shepherd, and Lot, the faithful nephew of Abraham. There's the twin boys, Jacob and Esau, who fought for their father's birthright. And there's Moses, who became a shepherd while he was a fugitive on the run. Of course, there's David, right, the singing shepherd, and the boy who became king. And then there are the wonderful Bethlehem shepherds, the first to tell us about the birth of Jesus. So it should be no surprise that of the seven I am statements by Jesus in the Gospel of John, he says this about himself in today's scripture reading. I am the good shepherd. The Bible loves shepherds. But what exactly did Jesus mean when he called himself the good shepherd? What, what exactly makes him the good shepherd? And what difference should that make for you and me today? I've discovered a few things about the practice of sheep herding in the ancient Near East. The first is that sheep don't like to drink running water from a stream. They prefer water that is not moving. Still waters, if you will. So a shepherd would take his staff to dam up the river or create a pool of water from which the sheep can drink. It's reflected in that wonderful passage in Psalm 23. You lead me beside the still waters. I also learned that in the ancient Near East, it was not uncommon for shepherds to name their sheep. Much like we name our own personal pets and animals, shepherds back then named their sheep, perhaps suggesting that many shepherds in those days had small enough flocks to do so. It is reflected in our passage from last week in John 10. Quote, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. But here's something else we know about shepherds in the Bible. Back then, shepherds were detested in society. To be a shepherd meant to be marginalized by other people. 
One Jewish commentary, or midrash, to Psalm 23 says, quote, The pious were forbidden to buy wool, milk, or meat from shepherds. Civic privileges, functions of judge and witness, were withdrawn from them as from the tax collectors. They were treated as badly as tax collectors. No position in the world is as despised as that of the shepherd, unquote. So for Jesus to name himself as the good shepherd it would have been a bit of a shock to the original hearers of John's gospel. When we hear Jesus calling himself the good shepherd, we have in our minds tender images of Jesus holding and caring for baby lambs, but not in the minds of John's audience. To them, what Jesus said about himself would have been highly controversial. Jesus was, in effect, saying that he would become the object of ridicule and scorn, much the same way that common shepherds were. No wonder the Jews, upon hearing Jesus say these words, said, quote, He has a demon and is out of his mind. Why listen to him? The ridicule had already begun. But that's not the only controversial thing Jesus intended in saying he was the good shepherd, because there's one more thing we know about shepherds. Sooner or later, back in those days, the shepherd sacrifices those sheep. One of the most important roles of a shepherd back then was to provide the means through which people could make their sacrifices to God at the temple and, and restore their relationship with God. Without the shepherds, there would be no sheep, and without the sheep, there would be no sacrifice, and without the sacrifice, there would be no relationship with God. Which is why, of all the surprising things that Jesus said in this passage, the most shocking thing he said to identify himself as the good shepherd is this, I lay down my life for the sheep. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this commandment from my Father. Talk about a reversal. This shepherd, this, this good shepherd, was not in the business of leading his sheep to slaughter but saving his sheep from slaughter. He wasn't going to allow them to die. Rather, he was going to die in their place. This was the greatest, most radical reversal of all that Jesus said here. The shepherd is sacrificed, not the sheep. No wonder the critics of Jesus' day didn't get it. This didn't make any sense to them at all. How could the shepherd become the sheep? How could the sacrificer become the sacrificed? It just seems so hard to believe. But this, after all, is the same Jesus that said time and again that following Jesus meant giving yourself for others. He said, the first will be last and the last will be first. And he said, I have come not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. He said, if anyone would follow me, let them take up their cross daily and follow me. And if anyone gains their life, they will lose it. But those who lose their life for my sake, they will find it.
And no one shows greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is what makes Jesus not just your shepherd, but a good shepherd. Because Jesus not only stills the waters of your life so you can drink in love and grace of God, Jesus not only knows you by name and provides your every need and protects you from harm, Jesus is a good shepherd. Because rather than allowing you to self-destruct and pay the price of sin with your own life, he became the sacrificial lamb so that we can have new life, abundant life, and a relationship with God. That is what makes him the good shepherd. And John would tell us that all we have to do as sheep in God's fold is to be willing to follow our good shepherd. But if we're honest, it's not always easy to follow Jesus, right? In fact, left to our own devices, the Bible is pretty clear about our track record as sheep in following Jesus. The prophet Isaiah says, quote, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on Jesus the sins of us all. Jesus also told a parable about a sheep that wanders off on its own and, and gets lost, forcing the shepherd to leave the 99 behind in order to get the one that has lost its way. We sheep, we don't have the best track record when it comes to following our good shepherd. I'm reminded of the story of two dumb sheep who are walking on the grasslands and suddenly they both fall into a hole and they can't get out. The first sheep starts to shout, help, help. Doesn't seem to work. No help is coming. So, so the first dumb sheep shouts again, help, help. The second dumb sheep says, it might help if we shout together. So the first dumb sheep shouts, together, together. I've shared before this marvelous insight from preacher Barbara Brown Taylor in her wonderful sermon, The Voice of the Shepherd. She did a little bit of research on correcting common perceptions of how sheep think and act. She squarely addresses the bad reputation that sheep have gotten over the years, jokingly asserting that the notion of sheep being dumb may have been generated by cattle workers, of all people, trying to advance the cattle industry. So she interviewed some actual shepherds to learn the real story of what sheep are like, and her findings surprised her. Cows, she said, are herded from the rear by hooting men on horseback, cracking whips, but this doesn't work with sheep at all. Stand behind sheep making loud noises, and all they'll do is run behind you because they prefer to be led. You push cows, but you lead sheep. And they will not go anywhere that someone else does not go first, namely their shepherd who goes ahead of them to show them that everything is all right. She says, sheep tend to grow fond of their shepherds. A shepherd, a shepherd can apparently walk right through a a sleeping flock without disturbing a single sheep, while a stranger could not step a foot into the fold without causing pandemonium. Sheep develop a relationship with their shepherd that is quite exclusive. 
They develop a language of their own that outsiders are not privy to. A good shepherd can distinguish a bleat of pain from one of pleasure. While the sheep learn that a, a click of the tongue means food or a two-note song means that it's time to go home. Barbara Brown Taylor's essential message is this. Don't be a cow. Be a sheep. And the Bible calls us sheep, not as a pejorative term, but as a challenge. A challenge to take all of our agendas, our ambitions, our wants, and our desires, and make them secondary to one thing, knowing the shepherd. So whenever we're tempted to be like cattle, out wandering on our own, preferring to be in the lead, chasing after our wants, necessitating the cracking of a whip and a loud shout from a rancher, John calls us to be led by the shepherd. Life isn't easy. You and I know that very well. What we need is someone who will still the waters and lead us to green pastures and restore our soul and guide us through the valley of the shadow of death. We even need someone who will lay down his life for us, sheep, so that we don't have to be led to slaughter ourselves. What we need is the good shepherd, and all we have to do is follow him. Let's pray. God, thank you for sending Jesus, who is our good shepherd. Thank you for leading us to still waters, for knowing us by name, and for sending us a shepherd who would lay down his life for us. In all the tumult and struggle of life, teach us to follow you one step at a time. In Jesus' name, amen. The challenge was put to us to know our shepherd. Our lives are misguided very easily with the many distractions from our culture. We can easily find ourselves drifting from the flock or from safety. So how can we be more willing to follow our shepherd. Maybe it is time to humble ourselves to know that we need this image of Jesus, that by allowing ourselves to put our trust and faith into the good shepherd will allow us a clarity, a clarity for finding the direction and life that God calls for us to go in. Thank you for listening to this message. You can find reflection questions and next steps in the notes below. We'll see you next time.